on today's episode of Insight and Renown, bringing use to a useless mechanic. Have you ever wondered where we came from and where we might be going? Well, this podcast is here to answer those questions, at least in the context of the Game of Thrones living card game. Welcome to Insight and Renown. How's it going, guys? Welcome to episode four of Insight and Renown, where this time we're looking at a, well, it's kind of an interesting mechanic, that of Mill. Uh, Mill coming from the Magic the Gathering card Millstone, which allows you to discard cards from the top of your opponent's deck. In Magic, when your opponent has run out of cards, they've lost the game. We have the same mechanic, but uh, this wasn't actually present in the first edition or CCG era of the Game of Thrones card game. Uh, Back then, if you ran out of cards in your deck, you could continue playing with whatever cards you had in play, it was probably just going to be difficult to win at that point. There's been some discussion over whether or not Mill is an effective mechanic in getting rid of your opponent's cards and resources, so let's start off with a brief explanation. When you discard cards from your opponent's deck, those are cards that they don't actually have access to yet. So you're not really getting rid of any of their resources, you're not getting rid of any of their uh, money, any of their cards from hand that they could use. The next time they're going to draw cards, they'll draw the same amount of cards. So even if you did manage to get rid of a very important card off the top of their deck, The likelihood of that card being on top of the deck when you initiated the mill mechanic was just as likely as the card being on the bottom of their deck and them not ever going to see it. In fact, it's just as likely that you're going to get rid of cards they don't need and make them draw the cards they do need that much quicker. There's really no way of telling when you initiate the mill mechanic, uh, barring any effects like the Baron the Maiden Affair to set up the top of your opponent's deck to make sure you get rid of cards that would help the opponent in the upcoming turns. The only really effective way of using the mill mechanic as it stands, by itself, is discarding your opponent's entire deck. Anything you do that falls short of that is relatively ineffective. It doesn't impact their board presence, it doesn't impact their opponent's ability to win the game. So why has this mechanic been in the game for as long as it has? Going back to the very first set that it contained House Greyjoy, the house that traditionally has been given these mill effects, there have been cards to discard the top card of your opponent's deck, but if it's not a very effective way of increasing your board position and making you more likely to win the game, why have we seen so much of it? Well, we're going to have a quick look at uh, the way that mill effects have been implemented in the game since the uh, introduction of House Greyjoy, and uh, we'll see where it might be going in the future, ways to make it more effective, ways to make it actually impact the board state without having to completely eliminate your opponent's deck. So the very first set of the CCG, the Westeros edition, didn't include House Greyjoy as a playable house. They were introduced in the first expansion, A Sea of Storms. And right off the bat, they were given a few cards that discard the top card of of a deck. But interestingly, a lot of them actually discarded the top card of your deck. There was one exception. There was a card, Looters, that says after you play Looters from your hand, each opponent discards the top two cards of his or her deck. That was a two-cost, non-unique character with a military icon. But apart from that, most of the Greyjoy cards that discarded cards from the top of the deck did so to your own deck in order to give that character or to give that player a bit of a boost. So, for example, there was an Asha Greyjoy, Three cost, three strength, military icon, and renown. Uh, at any phase, you could discard the top card of your own deck to give Asher Greyjoy an intrigue or power icon until the end of the phase. Which, which, which is interesting, because as this is the first set, it's almost as if FFG knew right off the bat that discarding the top card of a deck isn't actually that much of a cost. It's not that much of a, uh, of a penalty, so it's interesting to see them give so many of these types of abilities to House Greyjoy right off the bat. They also had cards uh, like an Aaron Dampair that could discard cards off the top of your deck to examine the opponent's hand and get rid of an event that you found there. There's a non-unique character, the House Black Tide Guard, 
that uh, would allow you to kneel it and discard the top two cards from your deck to save a location from being discarded. So a lot of interesting effects that discard cards but don't have the ultimate goal of completely emptying a deck. After the first set, though, this uh, mechanic kind of lay fallow for a while. It was resurrected a little bit in the winter edition of the card game. There were two locations that took the mechanic back to being focused on the opponent's deck, and both of them tied very neatly in with Greyjoy's house themes. So, for example, there was a Greyjoy location, the Stony Shore, that said after a player loses a challenge by four or more total strength, he or she discards the top two cards of his or her deck. That was sort of a sub-theme in Greyjoy for a while, winning by four or more. That sort of win-by-X mechanic wasn't as widespread as it is in the second edition. Uh, a lot of them were contained to Greyjoy, although there was some, uh, some overlap in some other houses. There was another similar location, uh, this time a neutral one, called Oxcross, that says after a player loses an unopposed challenge, he or she must discard the top four cards of his or her deck. That ties more neatly in with the unopposed theme that Greyjoy has, and had back then, so it's interesting that they chose to make this neutral. The other interesting thing is both of these locations are non-unique. So in the dream scenario, you've got three of each in play and you've won an unopposed challenge by four or more total strength, the opponent would have to discard the top 22 cards of their deck. Yeah, it's unlikely that you would have three copies of each in play and meet those conditions since your opponent is going to be able to see that you have these cards in play and is going to do everything that they can to stop you from winning a challenge like that. But the potential was there now that they had a sort of um, repeatable and scalable way of discarding cards from the opponent's deck. It was possible to discard your opponent's entire deck at this point. That said, you would still need to invest two gold in each copy of Oxcross and one gold in each copy of the Stony Shore, uh, as well as any resources you spent trying to actually find these locations to put them into play, and they're not actually helping your board position, as we said earlier, until you've completed the goal of destroying their entire deck. So until you've actually met that point, you're spending resources on something that isn't helping you keep a board presence or clear your opponent's board presence. It wasn't until the Iron Throne edition that FFG really started to get creative with some of the ways of looking at uh, the mill mechanic. It was at this point that Greyjoy started to get some effective characters that, in addition to just being good, solid characters, also had some mill mechanics built into them. So there's a copy of Yorin Crozai, for example, that was 5 cost, 4 strength, all 3 icons, and completely immune to triggered effects. Already an excellent character. But he also had the text response, after an opponent declares a challenge against you, discard the top 2 cards of his or her deck. And while there were other versions of Urine Crozai that had more impactful text, this is the one you'd want to include in a mill deck, just because, in addition to furthering that mill mechanic, it's also a solid board presence that would help you while you're trying to set up this goal of completely eliminating their deck. They also had a non-unique card. This was one of my favorites. It was a two-cost, one-strength character with stealth. had a military and intrigue icon. This was the Veteran Looters. So it's already got a good icon spread for Greyjoy and an excellent uh, keyword. And it has the text response, after you win an unopposed challenge in which veteran looters participated, stand veteran looters, then discard the top card from each opponent's deck. So you have the potential of doing two challenges with this character, winning both unopposed because they have stealth, perhaps you'd throw in some extra resources, but for a relatively low cost, you're getting a card that both impacts the board state and allowing you to win more unopposed challenges, and also has that incidental discard of the opponent's deck if you are trying to build towards that. It was also an Iron Throne edition that FFG tried to answer the question, why am I trying to empty my opponent's deck? It doesn't win me the game. All it does is make it slightly more likely for me to win the game at that point. Well, part of their attempt to address that was a card called Pike. This was a two-cost unique location for Greyjoy that says, after an opponent with no cards remaining in his or her deck initiates a challenge against you, claim two power for your house. That player puts the top two cards of his or her discard pile on top of his or her deck. So an interesting mechanic, it uh, allowed you to actually use the fact that you'd emptied their deck to get you closer to your win condition instead of just making it harder for your opponent to 
sustain their board condition. The problem, of course, being that this is a card that you kind of have to build your deck around, and it does nothing until you've already emptied the opponent's deck. And since the common opinion was that if you'd already emptied your opponent's deck, you were probably going to win the game anyway, there was not much point in including a card that doesn't actually get you closer to discarding their deck, even if it does advance your winning once you had done it. It wasn't until Five Kings Edition, the last expansion to the CCG, that they started to get a little bit more creative with how they implemented these mill mechanics. Here they started to design cards that not only discarded cards from your opponent's deck, but depending on what they discarded, could actually impact the board state. So for example, there's a card called Cape Kraken. It's a two-cost unique Great Joy location that says any phase you can kneel it to reveal the top card of any player's deck. If it's a Great Joy card, put it into its owner's hand. Otherwise, place it in its owner's dead pile. So this was a card that you could use to further your own draw, or you could try to hit your opponent with it to maybe kill off an important character or just get rid of an extra card. doesn't matter if it wasn't a character, it would still end up in their dead pile. It only happened one card at a time, but because it was a relatively reliable draw engine, it did see play. There were a couple of cards that also looked at what type of card was being discarded from the opponent's deck, usually looking for non-character cards, since characters were the most common cards to see in an opponent's deck. So there was a three-cost, non-unique location called Whirlpool, it said in the challenges phase, you can kneel it to discard the top three cards of an opponent's deck, and if two or more non-character cards are discarded in this way, you could choose and stand a character. As well, there is an event, Here is My Husband, that says, Before an event resolves, discard the top four cards of its controller's deck. If two or more non-character cards are discarded in this way, cancel the effects of the event. So a couple of things that, uh, even if you don't get the intended effect, standing a character or cancelling the event, you're at least getting that incidental discard that moves you closer towards emptying their deck, while still at the same time trying to impact the board state. There was a similar card in the LCG that was very similar to Whirlpool. It was two costs, and it was a unique version of Deepwood Mott that had the same text, except it allowed the opponent to cancel the effect if they discarded the power from their house. So, not quite as strong in that it was unique and cancelable, and there's one more card worth mentioning from Five Kings Edition, and it's a little complicated. This is the Abandoned Lighthouse. It's a two-cost, non-unique location for Greyjoy. In the challenges phase, you could kneel X Influence and kneel Abandoned Lighthouse to discard the top X cards from an opponent's deck. If more than two non-character cards are discarded in this way, move up to X power from that player's house card to yours. X is the number of military battle, power struggle, and intrigue gamut plot cards in your use pile. Now, right off the bat, I should mention that I'm pretty sure this card sets the record for most uses of X in the game text of a single card. And it's annoying that it waits until the very last line to define what X is. So, military battles, power struggles, entry gambits, these were all traits that you'd have on plot cards in first edition. So, that would determine how much influence you'd have to kneel, how many cards you discarded, and how much power you would move. I think they were going a little crazy trying to find useful effects for mill to actually accomplish. I can't really see any other reason for printing a card as complicated as this that saw as little play as it did. So that was about it for the CCG. They did come up with some of these effects for the LCG as well. Uh, cards like the Iron Fleet Pillager that would discard the top card of the opponent's deck, and if it was a location or attachment, you could steal it, put it into play under your control. There was a card called Thunderer, a warship, that uh, was a draw engine for House Greyjoy. After an opponent revealed a plot card, you could kneel it to discard the top card of their deck, and if it was a character or location, you'd draw a card, which would happen about 75% of the time. That's about how uh, the deck construction worked at the time. And there was also a card called Carl the Maid. This was a card that after he joined a challenge, you could discard the top two cards of the opponent's deck, and Carl the Maid would get plus two strength for each event card discarded in this way. Which was fairly useful because Carl the Maid had the keyword Intimidate, which is slightly different in first edition than from second edition, although they both 
get better the higher strength your character is. In first edition, a character with Intimidate prevented all characters with strength lower than theirs from counting their strength. So again, using the mill mechanic to discard extra cards from their deck and then looking at the types of cards to potentially give your board presence a boost. While there were several of these sort of incidental effects, there weren't many in the LCG days. It was far more likely that if your opponent was discarding cards from the top of your deck, they were trying to empty it, plain and simple. There were a few cards that allowed them to accelerate this quite a bit. For example, there was an event, Heads on Pikes, that at any phase you could play it, and each opponent would discard the top two cards from their deck for each character in their dead pile. I've noticed that uh, dead piles don't grow quite as quickly in 2nd edition as they did in 1st. It wasn't uncommon to hit double digits with a card like Heads on Pikes. There was a similar card, Nightmares in the North, that in the dominance phase you could play to make each player discard the top X cards of their deck, where X is the number of characters in their dead pile. Then the player who discarded the fewest cards draws a card. And lastly, there was an event called We Take Westeros. This was a card that players built around, because it had the potential to greatly impact the amount of cards that your opponent had left in one or two copies. House Grey Joy only. Limited response. After you win a power challenge, in which at least one raider character participated, discard the top X cards of the losing opponent's deck. X is the amount by which you won the challenge. Now, if you're not building around this, you might get a handful of cards, but far more likely you were building around this. So you would try to get one challenge in which you get a ridiculous amount of strength and try to discard, if not their opponent's entire deck, most of their deck in one hit. One of the more popular cards to fuel this strategy was actually a Lannister card that would be played out of House in a Greyjoy deck called Trebuchet. This was a location that says any phase, discard Trebuchet from play to give each of your participating characters plus X strength until the end of the challenge. X is the number of cards in your hand. So if you're already going all in on trying to discard your opponent's deck, you're attacking with multiple characters. And if you only have three or four cards in your hand, that's still a huge boost to your strength, especially if you're participating with four or more characters. That's an extra 16 or 20 strength on top of whatever you're already attacking with. It'd be possible to discard a good 30 or 40 cards using just this location and one copy of We Take Westeros. At the moment, though, in 2nd edition, it doesn't seem like FFG is pursuing this whole discard the opponent's entire deck idea. Instead, thus far, they've been experimenting with more of these incidental effects, things like Euron Greyjoy, who, after he discards a card with Greyjoy, can steal a location out of the opponent's discard pile. Somewhat more similar to some of the older effects is actually not a Greyjoy card at all, it's Sir Gregor Clegane. This is a card who actually looks at what specific type of card they get rid of with the pillage keyword. If we do see more of this mill mechanic, I hope that we do see it in Greyjoy. It seems like an odd thing that they immediately gave the best pillage mechanic to Lannister, but, I don't know, it seems like they're giving the best every mechanic to Lannister at the moment. Hopefully we'll see it come back to Greyjoy and make it one of their central house themes. As I hope I've established over the last 15 minutes or so, there's a lot of fertile design space to be explored. So that'll about do it for the mill mechanic episode, guys. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have any comments or questions, stories about your deck being milled, suggestions for a future episode, or just want to complain about how your favorite mechanic was given to House Lannister, please leave a comment or send an email to insightandrenown at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Till next time, thanks for listening, guys.